0: Moo, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, mad cow, line dance song. Hey, Sign Guy Nation, welcome to the show here on another Friday afternoon. Sign Guy with you as usual. Some show notes really fast before we jump in with our guest. If you're looking for some wrestling tonight, WCWO at the Outlaw Arena in Indianapolis, Indiana. FGW in Hamilton, Ohio, Power at Pro Wrestling in Roseburg, Oregon, MAPW's sixth anniversary show in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and you can find me later this evening for Northwest Pro at South Hill, Washington at the KI Martial Arts Center, tomorrow night, LBW in Lubbock, Texas. You can find me back with Northwest Pro tomorrow night at the Vaughn, Washington, Keep Peninsula Civic Center, ICW in Chattanooga, Tennessee, ECW in Jeffersonville, Indiana, EPW in Bedford, Indiana, Supreme in Madison, Indiana, MICW in Salem, Indiana, PWK in Argos, Indiana. UCW in Saginaw, Michigan, TIWF in Trenton, Tennessee, NWF in Mount Orb, Ohio, Wrestle Club in Caldwell, Idaho, CWA in Nottingham, Pennsylvania, ICW in Sannecatee, New Jersey, New Era Wrestling having a benefit show for the Boys and Girls Club in Shelbyville, Indiana. EWF in Tracy, California, SWO in Seven Valleys, Pennsylvania, and IZW in Tempe, Arizona tomorrow. Without any further ado, though, I want to welcome our guest to the show, someone I am very much looking forward to having on this afternoon. He is the original Lord Humongous, Jeff Van Kemp. Thank you so much for being here pleasure to have you on the show
1: thank you guys it is a great pleasure to be on your program thank you for the invite
0: oh our pleasure for sure now since it is your first time with us i will lead you off with our traditional first timer question what got you into the world of professional wrestling
1: Well, actually, I got into wrestling. Uh, I was work I was playing football for University of Louisville, and I'm from originally from New Albany, Indiana. And I was uh, working uh, wrestling every Tuesday night at Louisville Gardens, and uh, I just got to happen to know the wrestlers and Jerry Lawler, and he he told me after I got done playing college football to to uh, join him and uh, be a, a professional wrestler. That was my uh, first first. Uh, Time ever actually being around the the boys. That was early 1980, 81, 82, and I became, uh, after college football, went into wrestling in Jerry Lawler, Memphis, Tennessee, right there in 1983. Been a long time.
0: Now, like you said, being that you were from New Albany and uh, you played at the University of Louisville, that was prime. Memphis Territory in that era, uh, there's a lot of wrestling in that area for the Memphis Territory. Uh, New Albany to this day has a very strong independent wrestling presence, and Louisville uh, is home of OVW, which is one of your bigger independents. Do you think coming out of a wrestling-rich area like you did maybe helped you make that transition when you started out? Or do you think that uh, if you were from any other area, being your size, you would have had the same experience?
1: You know, it's a good question. I, I I don't know. I mean, I played ball at Louisville. And uh, I, I just got to know the wrestlers. I, I was as I was at the right time at the right place, right place at the right time. And, and, and the guys got to know who I was. And they, they invited me to be a wrestler. And uh, they invited me, and Jerry Lawler said, well, c- why don't you come on down to uh, Mid-South Coliseum on, on one Saturday morning. I'll be there, you know, talk about Jerry Lawler, and he'll show me how to wrestle. And at the time, me and my, my buddy and I, uh, his name was Pete Bowen, he, um, he was an offensive of tackle for University of Lowell, and we were supposed to go down together. Well, at the last minute, Pete decided he didn't want to go, and, and so my brother went. And uh, my brother's a big guy, too. He's about 6'2", 250 pounds. And uh, so we drove to Memphis, Tennessee and and went to the Midtown Coliseum. And and, uh, Jerry was actually, he was there waiting for us. And um, I got in the ring for about three hours with Jerry. He showed me the ropes a little bit. And my brother got up in the ring and did, did what he had to do. And he said, you know, this is really not for me because in front of all these thousands of people wearing shorts, you know, a bathing suit, tights, he was scared to death. So he, he, he said at the last minute he didn't want to do it. And I just kind of like I got a mechanism. I, 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 I normally turn on and off playing ball, you know. I, I wrestled a little bit in high school, and I was on the track, throwing doing shot put, and, and I did um, uh, playing football. You just kind of turn off what's going on uh, around you, and you just you just play your sport. And that's what I, I did with, uh, with Jerry Lawler. And at the end of the day, mid mid. Mid-Saturday, Jerry uh, handed me a booking sheet and said, okay, Jeff, you're now a professional wrestler. Here's your dates and times and the cities you need to be at. I was like,
0: what? (laughs) I was shocked. Now, several years after you did this, there was another – football player from the University of Louisville that made the transition into professional wrestling. He had short of a small amount of time in the business, comparatively speaking, much like yourself, so I see the parallels. He was also kind of a taller guy, that being Eric Watts. I know you worked for his father, did you ever talk about University of Louisville as being an option for Eric? Did you factor into his decision to go there in any way, or was it just a coincidence that your past sort of took a similar journey?
1: You know, that's a good question. I, I actually didn't know Eric Watts at the time, and we, our past never crossed
0: <clears throat>
1: during my my uh, first in, going into the ring being a professional wrestler. I was just kind of like a I was just going after. I, honestly, I, that's the first I heard that he played at, at Louisville as well. And uh, kudos to him.
0: <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely did. It would have been like the tail end of the 80s, early 90s that he was there, but football. Uh, he was, was a semi, starting 70s, quarterback 80s. before he joined essentially the family business. Oh. Um, one right. of the things I, I you did... I didn't
1: know uh, uh, Mr. Watts at the time.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. That would make sense then. Uh, when you left the Memphis territory, you went north a bit into Dick the Bruiser's territory, which was Indianapolis and the surrounding areas. You got the team with Dick the Bruiser, which is going to give anyone instant credibility because Dick the Bruiser in a lot of fans eyes was wrestling if you were a fan in that time frame in the state of Indiana what was it like being the partner of someone that was that beloved in the territory
1: you know sir Jason I appreciate you saying that I I, uh, I was I was very humbled You know, when I first got, you know, after I left the Memphis Territory, Jerry said pretty much to me that it was uh, time for me to expand my horizons and and, uh, go off and and explore and be a a wrestler in a different territory. So I I went to uh, Indianapolis and uh, got with Victor Bruiser. What a great guy. I can't say enough wonderful things about him. He taught me a whole lot. You know there was a lot of great individuals there. Jerry Valiant, Bobo Brazil, uh, Abdullah the Butcher, um, Brody was there. I mean, it's there were so much talent in this area it, when I when I was first there. I'm was, was just um, i it was like I was a sponge, absorbing. And that's the thing that a lot of guys nowadays don't understand. You have to keep your mouth closed in the dressing room and just listen to how. How to work an audience and how to work the ring and, and work with one another, and that's what I did. And, and I was so humbled by what Dick said. At the time, you know, I was I was I was nervous and, and scared because this was like a make or break me. If I didn't make it in this area, then I, I was most definitely not. I was looking at maybe a different career but with Dick Dick's push and and uh, what I did I a lot of great guys there. Nacho Barrera was there. I mean he, what a great guy. I mean there's so much talent in this area. Um I was I was very lucky and very fortunate to be in this area at this time.
0: Allen Indiana It was sort of in a transitional period at that point, because uh, the WWF had taken over the TV there. They had to change channels. Uh, A lot of the older wrestlers were still on top, and then they had a new crop of really young talent, but they didn't really have that middle ground with, uh, guys that had been around for 8 to 10 years that were still relatively young. You were either someone that had been there for 25, 30 years where you were starting out. When you were in the Indiana Territory, did you kind of get that sense that it was different in that aspect from other territories you visited, or in the moment did you not really – See
1: that was happening. I, I do. Uh, at the time, um, I thought the territory was expanding and growing because we, you know, we would travel up to Chicago and, and do shows throughout Northern Indiana and, and middle Middle Indiana. And it was it was just a wonderful time, and, and we went to Ohio and Illinois and Michigan. And I just I just knew it was a, a great time to be where I was at. And I was very I was learning.
0: Out. Obviously, like I said, you did team with Bruiser, but you also had a pretty good singles run in your career. Did you personally have any preference as far as it went from tag teams to singles? Actually,
1: no, I didn't. I enjoyed both because it's a it's a different learning process with uh being a single and the tag team, and of course, you know Dick was going to be put over no matter what. <laughs> And uh, you know, I was going to take the heat, which was fine with me, because I had to learn how to take heat in the ring, and then of course, uh, with him being a ba- well, us being baby faces, he would do the ultimate comeback, and then I would join him, and then we we would take take the course of action and, and of course win, and I was very humbled by that. Dick, I learned so much from him, um, what a great guy, you know he had a gruff voice and but very strong, very strong. He mentored me like a father. i put you that way. He was like a dad to me. My, my mom and dad would uh, be at the ringside and, and, and watch. But after, after the match was over with, he would take me kind of under his wing and say, and give me pointers, son, you need to do this, you need to do that, and, and, and do an interview. And, you know, I never actually was in front of the, first time I was in front of the camera was in Memphis with Lance Russell. And I was so nervous, you know, because I had never been in front of a camera before. And if anybody knows me, I have, a, um, I have sort of a stuttering problem I always had ever since I was a little boy. And, and words have, have a tendency, I can't pronounce some of the words, and I get very nervous. So I have to rethink other, of other words that, that I want to come out. It, it's hard for me, especially getting in front of the camera being a first-timer. And uh, Dick really, he taught me a lot how to get in front of the camera, how to put the other opponent over it while, while putting yourself over as well. I mean, I learned so much from the man. He's, he's, he's a professional without a doubt.
0: Love him. You say that Dick the Bruiser was like a father to you, and I'm sure that was true for a lot of the guys in that territory, but Dick also had members of his actual – family in that territory with him. He had his son Carl wrestling as Leroy Redbone. He had a few son-in-laws over the years that worked the territory. Um, Sal Creechman, the manager, was actually Dick's son-in-law. Spike Huber was Dick's son-in-law. The Golden Lion, who now wrestles as Dick the Bruiser Jr., is his son-in-law, even though he looks more like Dick's actual son than Dick's actual son did. (laughs) Did you get to work a lot with Dick's actual family?
1: Yes, I did. It was fantastic. Actually, um, I'm glad you mentioned Spike because uh, Spike is the one who I met in Memphis, and he was working that territory at the same time I was. And if you you recall, that was the same era that Jerry Lawler was going around with uh, Andy Kaufman. So I really got into the business when, uh, when it was exciting and, and brand new. And I got to meet a lot of guys in the locker room, like Buddy Landell, you know, he, I never had a pair of wrestling boots in my life. And, and, and I was in Nashville, Tennessee and Buddy Landell provided me my first pair of wrestling boots. I'll never forget that. he would rest in peace, buddy. And he's, he was a great guy. And Spike Huber, when it, when Jerry told me it was time for me to, to expand my horizons and, and and learn more from the uh, different areas of, of aspect of the ring. Spike was in the lot, dr- dressing room with me. He said, Jeff, you know, my, my father-in-law is Victor Bruiser, and he owns a territory in Indianapolis. Why don't you go out there? So he gave me his phone number. I made a phone call, and next thing you know, I was uh, out of Memphis, and I was in Indianapolis. And it, it was all because of Spike. And then I met, uh, you know, <laughs> what a great guy he uh, he was he was a wonderful worker i couldn't say enough great things about him as well so even though his family was there they put, everybody put everybody over nobody had any i guess um what i'm trying to say is um i guess uh, uh jealousy cuz his family was just wonderful people and that's what kind of person uh, dick was he was just a wonderful person
0: like i said at the beginning of the show you later went on to be the original lord humongous uh that was a completely different gimmick for you that you did whose idea was it initially for you to be lord humongous
1: well that was that's that's another uh another story i was working up in chicago dick de bruiser and Vern Gagne, that group and i was uh learning and then uh, my my friend austin Idol and jerry lawler got me i called me because i still had their phone numbers and they called me and they said jeff we got this idea we want you to uh be this guy named lord humongous and this and we'll send you some photographs and tell you how we think that you should be able to portray this monster type of figure in the ring and they knew my height and they said listen, you don't enter a ring like a normal human being you enter in the ring by stepping over the top rope and that's what like Andre the giant did all the tall uh, wrestlers did they kind of Stepped over the top rope and I just kind of uh, little things like that, you know Austin So he he uh, he called me and we worked out the details And uh, with Jerry Lawler's Blessings, I showed up in uh, uh, Continental Wrestling with Ron Fuller and Bob Armstrong. And what a great group of individuals they were. So I left uh, Memphis and I went to Indianapolis with Dick. And then I uh, appeared in in the Continental uh, Wrestling as Lord Humongous uh, with
0: Ron Fuller and his group. Now, obviously, Lord Among Us was different than what you were doing before in Memphis and Indianapolis, so you had to have a different look, different set of gear and so forth. I'm sure you had a few sets of gear over the course of your wrestling days. What was the favorite gear that you had that you most liked to wear to the ring?
1: Not probably the hockey mask, you know, that's the thing when I um, it, it took Quite a while to get all my gear together. <clears throat> I had to order a pair of boots I don't know if you're familiar with bill last or not his father at the time had a wrestling boot store in Arkansas So I had to order a pair of boots and that took, you know probably six weeks to order my boots and then I had to order the outfit and get that fixed and made and at the time, my you know my mom was uh, was a seamstress, and she she helped put together the outfit for me. One of the first ones I actually wore, my mom uh, actually put it together for me. And then when I got got down to uh, uh, Pensacola, when I first started wrestling Humongous, they we kind of tweaked it and and put fur on the sides of the uh, of, of the uh, costume, and we put fur around my boots, sort of making more of a of a monster type of character. And I put the, the fur around my uh, my neck. And what what Austin had suggested, you know, it, it makes sense today because a lot of people still think I was bald or shaved my head. I took stockings, and I put a stocking over my head to kind of conceal my help conceal my identity. And I and, and I put the hockey mask over the uh, the stocking, so it made it look like I was uh, shaved my head or bald. And people to this day still think I was bald or, or uh, shaved my head. I said, no, I just wore a stocking, you know. But that was the appearance that I portrayed, you know, just another little thing that I did to to help uh, portray my gimmick. That's like uh, doing interviews. Uh, when I did interviews with Lord Humongous, I never spoke. I, I talked with my eyes. And uh, I had other people talking for me like Sir Oliver Humpertank. I had... A lot of individuals. Ron Fuller talked for me. Arn Anderson was a great guy. What a what a what a mind of wrestling he has. Arn Anderson. What a great guy. Jerry Jerry Stubbs. It was it was just it was an amazing time in my life. You know Bob Armstrong. God rest his soul. You know rest in peace Bobby. What a great guy he was. He, they everybody when I was in the business was there to help me. And everybody was helping one another to get better. Because as we got got better and grew, then we we of course attract more fans, and that was all what it's all about.
0: Absolutely, it is. When you decided to step away, they replaced you as Lord Shamongus with a very young Sid. Did you ever watch what Sid was doing as? Lord Humongous and have an opinion on how he was doing the gimmick as opposed to how you were doing it?
1: I, I, did, I did observe his, some of his portrayals of Humongous. You know, he stepped into a character that was established and, and uh, as a monster and he kind of, in my opinion, ruined it. Um, he, he didn't do what, uh, what, the character that I had portrayed did he kind of if you talk to a lot of different people a lot of people well Sid was humongous but I was I was before him but he in my opinion he 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 didn't portray the the gimmick in which it should have been portrayed and I had a lot of guys from the a uh, lot of boys tell me that uh, several times uh, that he didn't he didn't protect the gimmick. Uh, he didn't know how to work the gimmick, he, he, uh, and he was very uh, – uh, I don't know if you're familiar with the phrase potato. He did, he made a lot of potatoes in the ring. Are you following me, what I'm saying?
0: I'm picking up what you're putting down. Yes, sir. <laughs> now, when just Sid fluid. broke into he, the he business, to, had know. you ever directly worked with him, or had you never actually – worked with him, and just knew him from when he took over Lord Humongous?
1: Yeah, I I never met the man. Um, I just know that uh, whoever it was gave him the portrayal of Humongous, but he didn't uh, didn't study or or actually try to learn how Humongous should have been. He just took it up on his own and, and, uh, in my opinion, did a crappy job.
0: Now, as a big man yourself, when you look at the landscape of wrestling, whether it is the time that you were active, before you got into the business, or after you got out of the business, who would you say would be some of the very best big men that wrestling has seen? That I wrestled with? Uh, Yeah,
1: one one of them without a doubt would be Arn Anderson, uh, Ric Flair. Um, I I really had a great run with Jake the Snake Roberts, Ted DiBiase, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, uh, Terry Taylor, um, uh, Butch Reed. It was I had a a lot of great people that I I, put my my finger on one individual. Probably because I had a, a, a good run in with Jake, uh, and he and I are really good friends to this day, and, and God bless him, too. Um will probably be Jake, Jake Roberts.
0: Not a bad choice at all. <laughs> One of the things that has been around for quite a while now, and it's changed a lot in the last several years, but that is the Cauliflower Alley Club. Uh, it has gone from like more of a private event for people that were in the wrestling industry to being for anybody that wants to attend the event. Uh, there's the reunion aspect of it, but it's also sort of a combination reunion and a convention, basically. Do you ever attend the CAC meetings? No, actually, I do not. I, uh, I do, uh, um,
1: as far as, like, the reunions, uh, if, when I get invited, I will go. Like, I'm, I have an a invitation to an uh, autograph signing in Albany, New York, uh, December 4th and 5th, and uh, John Nord, uh, the barbarian, I don't know if you remember him or not. He and I had a little run-in with Jake the Snake in Mid South. He and I are going up to uh, Albany that weekend and, and do some autograph signing. But I actually uh, don't attend the uh, the conferences or their or their uh, their meetings. Oh, right. I wish I did. I wish I did. Because I really enjoy I really enjoy the the business of wrestling.
0: In the era where you wrestled, one of the big things that wrestlers had as a way to get exposure was Pro Wrestling Illustrated. A lot of fans got whatever knowledge that they got of the wrestling world from PWI because in that (laughs) era, you just didn't have access to wrestling outside of your home territory very much so pwi would fill in fans about what was happening all over the country and expose fans to new wrestlers that they may not have seen so when they eventually came to their territory they already had sort of a familiarization on what they were about did you get a lot of coverage out of pwi and some of the other magazines uh, when you were active in your career?
1: I actually I, I, I had a few articles, um, uh, in, in the wrestling magazines, but I didn't, I, I don't think I had any as Jeff Van Camp cause I started out as Jeff Van camp, the football player. And I don't think I was in any of the magazines at that time because it, I, I was relatively unknown. And it, and it, it, my career really took off like a shooting star when I was in Continental with Lord Humongous um, with Ron Fuller and that group. The way they, how they pushed me. And, and uh, it was, it was how what Barbara Armstrong did for me in my career and in Austin Idol and Four Chop Cash, you know, all those guys. I mean, I can't say enough. Boomer we and Lynch. And I want to say a shout out, too, if I could, to uh, a lot of people helped me out that, that was behind the scenes. Pat Rose. What a great guy he was, and Randy Rose, and uh, you know Ricky, Ricky, and Robert Gibson, and uh, you know his brother, rest his God rest his soul. He helped me out tremendously, Robert, in the Memphis area when I first started. I mean, he he what a great guy. I mean, there's so many guys now that that I know that are that are gone, and 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 I miss them, you know. It, it was a wonderful time in my life and, and, uh, great, and great
0: memories. Now, obviously, one of the dangers of being a professional wrestler is you're going to have the occasional injury. It's just part of the business being a physical contact sport like it is. Accidents happen all the time. Did you have very many injuries from your wrestling days?
1: Yeah, the only only injury that I can say that I actually sustained was um, I was in Jackson, Mississippi. I'll never forget it. it and uh, uh, Jake the Snake and John Nord the Barbarian was in the ring wrestling. <clears throat> At a certain time, um, I was to exit the dressing room and, and rush the ring. And then John and I would uh, tag team uh, Jake and leave him in a pool of blood in the middle of the ring. And it was at the fairgrounds, and I'll never forget it. It was place was packed. It was people hanging off the rafters. It was so many people at this uh, fairgrounds watching us. And I and I literally had a police escort, and I could not leave the ring. I had so many people rush to ring, and they were so mad and angry with me. It was unbelievable. And as I was walking back to the ring, I got stabbed.
0: Ouch. That is never a good day at the office when you get stabbed.
1: I got stabbed in the right hand um, where somebody reached out with a knife. I had no clue who it was, and sliced me, sliced my hand. I had to go... Actually, after, after I got back to the dressing room, I wrapped it up with a towel. I didn't actually know I was bleeding until uh, people said, Jeff, you're bleeding. So I got my uh, wrapped my hand in a towel and, and, and put my sweats on. I couldn't even get out of my, my character. So I, And I went to uh, actually my friend, Dr. Des Steve Williams, God rest his soul. He and I were really good friends. We traveled a lot together. At the time, uh, Rick Steiner, I don't know if you remember Rick, Rob, Rob Rick Steiner, uh, the Steiner brothers. Anyway, we all traveled together, and uh, we we drove to actually to uh, Vicksburg. We left uh, Jackson, Mississippi, and drove to Vicksburg, Steve did, and uh, went to the hospital in Vicksburg and got sold up.
0: Wow. Well, it's this point in the show, we have a game we like to play called Word Association. I'll throw out the names of some people that you most likely have come across in your career, and the first word or two that pops to your mind is the answer. Are you prepared for a round of Word Association?
1: Sure. We'll try it. We'll give it a go.
0: (laughs) All right. Here we go. First name?
1: Bill Watts. Bill Watts, the owner of the territory of uh, Mid-South. Great guy. Um, What I mean, I've been my first video. Bill Watts,
0: Bobo Brazil.
1: Oh my gosh, Bobo Brazil. God rest his soul. He was a wonderful guy. You know, learned a lot from him from Indiana. What a what a wonderful guy. I mean, they would see he had so much talent. It was unbelievable. What a great guy. Tommy Gilbert. Tommy Gilbert, you know Tommy. He was a referee most of the time when I was wrestling. He I didn't actually work with him, but he was a referee in the ring in Memphis and in Mid South.
0: Oh, Tommy. Doctor Jerry Graham Jr.
1: Doctor Jerry Graham. Boy, I tell you what, I loved him to death. He he had a lot of connections with the WWF at the time. And uh, he was trying to give me some information about how, I, you know, what's the next steps, and uh, what a great guy. I understand he played Santa Claus a lot up in Indiana.
0: (laughs) I bet he did. Ron Fuller.
1: Oh, I can't say enough about the Tennessee stud. He's a great guy. Also, he wrote a book. He's an author, and and, uh, what a wonderful guy. Love him to death.
0: Absolutely. I believe the name of the book is Brutus. Yeah, Brutus. All right, next name is his brother, Rob. You need
1: to get it. It's a
0: great, great, great book. Next one is Rob Fuller, his brother. Ron Fuller.
1: Let me tell you something. He's a great guy. He just didn't have the mind as Ron. But Robert is a, it was a great guy and, and a great storyteller and, and, and what a work, what a great worker he was in the ring.
0: David McLean. The old colonel.
1: Who's that I'm sorry?
0: David McLean. McLean.
1: I c I, I was, can't remember. Uh, I'm I'm sorry.
0: Oh, no problem. He was the interviewer uh for Dick the Bruiser and then went on to okay, the yeah, promoter a I, yeah, he was. I remember. Yeah,
1: he had to throw my my memory off for a minute. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, he was a great guy. He was a great interviewer, and actually, he's the one who uh, did a lot of promotion with the uh, the, the gimmicks that we passed out, coozies um, and and, and uh, pitchers, and he did a lot of that for us. Gordon Soley. Gordon holy boy, what a great interviewer he was in, in, with uh, Continental. I know he was with Atlanta, but uh, he was he was wonderful. I didn't really get to – I mean, I, I was there, but I, he didn't get to really interview me because of my gimmick. I didn't talk. I had a guy named Saul Creechman uh, do the talking for me. And then Ron Fuller and, and Porchop Cash and Arne Anderson. What a – Bruce Toat.
0: You got to you got to help me out with that one, Al. Torak. He was one of the older guys that was around Dick the Bruisers, Great big guy that had been there forever.
1: I honestly I, I can't remember. I'm, I'm I apologize.
0: Well, oh, not a problem at all. Next name, Nature Boy Ric Flair.
1: <laughs> what a partier! He was a great guy. He he showed me a lot in the ring, you know, I wrestled with him in Birmingham and again in um, Montgomery, Alabama. He taught me a lot. And actually I beat I beat Rick uh for the belt in in Birmingham. And then he, he got it back in Montgomery.
0: Kevin Sullivan.
1: Kevin Sullivan. Wow, that's a name I haven't heard in a long time. What really a great guy, all right, mid south.
0: Is everywhere, yeah. I, I believe you probably crossed paths in Continental.
1: Yeah, continental, Mid South, you name it. Wow.
0: What a what a great final line. name on the list is Bill Dundee.
1: Oh, the superstar Bill Dundee. You know he was he's an awesome individual who helped me out a lot in Memphis. Gave me a lot of pointers, taught me and pointed me in the right direction, and actually he. He was running the territory in Charlotte at the time, and he was in uh, Mid-South and then Charlotte, and he uh, wanted me to be, um, instead of going to Mid-South, he wanted me to go show up in, in Charlotte, you know, what the Lord be among us. And I told him, well, let me go to Bill Watts first, and then we'll see how it goes, and, and we'll make that determination later on, which didn't actually happen, but what a great guy Bill Dundee is. <laughs> wow.
0: All right. Well, that concludes Ward Association. Now, wrestling in the last 20 years or so has definitely become a different animal. One of the things that promotions and wrestlers, referees, managers, anything having to do with wrestling has really relied heavily upon is social media It also has helped a lot of wrestlers that maybe stepped away from the business come back to it in some way. Uh, You see a lot of people reconnect via social media and they start doing appearances and autograph signings. Sometimes they even get back in the ring if they get the right social media contacts. What do you think of the way that social media has really changed the landscape of professional wrestling.
1: Uh, without a doubt, it certainly has. It's, it's a good thing, and also it could be distributed as bad. Um, you know, when I first started out, and you—you you, you was a perfect example of talking about different territories. A lot of like the magazines. Only people, only way people got their information about wrestlers was from the magazines. And in um, the TV in their territory. Now it's social media it can go from everywhere, so you have to really be careful what you say and do. Do the best job you know how, and uh, and, and I think social media, media is a good thing. I mean that's how. No offense, that's how a lot of people have reconnected with me on Facebook and and uh, to, to let me know about because I went to Charlotte a few months ago for autograph signing and I'm going to uh, Albany in in first of December. And I don't know Ron Fuller is having I think a uh, autograph thing next year in in uh, Chattanooga, Tennessee. And it's it's a great time for like myself to get to rekindle some of the old relationships that I had when we were working full time together. Um.
0: You say a lot of people reconnected with you via social media. Who is the most surprising person that reached out to you to reconnect on social media that you may not have ever thought you'd see or hear from again in your life? Uh, You know, that's a good question. I had
1: uh, a, you like Jake the Snake, I have not talked to Jake in years. And then uh, uh, he and I kind of reconnected. At a reunion in Alabama with Dennis Gale, what a great guy! <clears throat> and and we reconnected uh, with social media. We went fishing a couple years ago up in Wisconsin together. Spent a week just re- rehashing our you know and rekindling our relationship. And I went to uh, Dallas this past May to go fishing with him. So, and and uh, it's just little things like that. It means a lot to me. Like Arne Anderson, Ron Fuller. Um, but I really, I really appreciate the, uh, the the camaraderie we have with Jake the Snake. I'm trying to reach out to uh, Hacksaw Jim Duggan and Ted DiBiase as well, but it's, I, I think sometimes it uh, it's kind of hard for for them to open up because they're they're so busy.
0: That they are, and I believe Hacksaw Duggan just recently had uh cancer surgery, so he's probably. Even busier than he normally is right now. Yeah, I think I hope
1: everything's okay with him. It was like Jimmy Hines, you know, one of the Fantastics. <clears throat> Jimmy and I reconnected again, and he—I know he lives up in Ohio, and and God bless him. And and you know, I I miss his partner uh, Tommy Rogers, who, who passed away a few years ago. There's just so many great people that that I've, I've had a working relationship with that's no longer with us, and and I just miss those days.
0: You talked a lot about working with Jake Roberts, and you thought he was one of the better big men in the business. He, to this day, is still on national television as a manager with All Elite Wrestling. Uh, He's been in the business for closing in on 50 years. Did you think when you were working with Jake the Snake in Mid-South that he would Still be at this at this stage in his life
1: yeah I, well, Jake is part of his family you know I'm um,
0: with his father
1: you know I don't want to say a whole lot with that but you know his brother and his sister they were all it's a big family business I knew Jake would be around in a long time be because he's he just a great guy <clears throat> I've learned a lot from him
0: One of the parts of pro wrestling that has changed a lot since you were active is women's wrestling. Uh, When you were still active as a full-time wrestler, women's wrestling was largely a novelty part of the show, and they would have one match at the most as far as women went. In the last five or six years, women's wrestling has on the national level taken off and you see three or four matches of women's wrestling on a given Monday night raw or AEW dynamite. And a lot of times the women's matches headline the pay-per-views. What did you think of women's wrestling when you were a full-time wrestler and has that feeling changed looking at wrestling in today's landscape? You know, Today's
1: of uh, uh women's wrestling is totally different than the one when I was back in the, you know mid eighties <clears throat> and I did off and on uh, for the last thirty plus years. you know the women today are, are just might as well they're athletes i mean they're they're very talented i I'm not saying they weren't talented or athletes back then, but today good lord i mean they're they're doing everything men are doing in the ring and and sometimes even more. I mean, they're very, very agile and athletic and jumping around and, and it, it, with a lot of energy. I mean, I didn't really see that back back when I was wrestling. Uh, most of most of the women that was uh, in the ring were associated was was managers or or like a dark journey, you know, or and, and some other ladies. Um, they they were great girls, but they they didn't really actually go out there and wrestle. My wife today.
0: When you were still full-time in the business, did you have any one female wrestler that you most enjoyed watching or was the skill level pretty much consistent through all of them, would you say? I think
1: the skill level was consistent with all the ladies at this period of time. It's not like uh, watching the ladies today. It's totally different. I mean, it's kind of hard to explain. These ladies today are—they're athletes. It's simple. I mean, I'm not saying they weren't athletes back in the '80s, but they today, today is like—they're just—they're all over the place. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's amazing to watch them and things they can do. You know.
0: Now, also, when you were a full-time wrestler, one of the novelty parts of the business was <laughs> midget wrestling. You don't see very much at all with the big national touring companies, but there still are a few all-midget wrestling promotions that tour around the country. Uh, Your standard independent show doesn't really have midget wrestling on it to speak of at all anymore, but there are some uh, all-midget shows still out there, so fans can still see that. What did you think of that part of wrestling?
1: Um, I, I thought it was a, a, a very enjoyable to watch. Um, I know they're they're just as talented as the elder, you know, the bigger guys. They're just on a smaller level, but they were just as talented and athletic and skilled. Um, it's just a shame they didn't get the push that the uh, you know like guys like my size did, but. I mean, you know, you got to go where the money's at, and promoters um, knew that they could push these, you know, the midgets or ladies wrestling, but they knew that at the time in this period in our lives that that it was the guys who were actually, you know, pulling in the draw.
0: Uh, Your time in pro wrestling was relatively short as far as being full-time, active in it there's usually other roles that wrestlers will gravitate towards when they decide to not be a full-time wrestler we see a lot of guys transition to manager announcers bookers promoters there's a lot of roles in wrestling that guys will usually try before they totally get out of the business you were one of the rare ones i think just shot out, and didn't try any of the other roles, was there ever any thought to you as far as doing something like promoting or announcing or anything of that nature?
1: Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. I, when I got out of it, uh, actually I wanted to start a family. I was relatively uh, uh, new newlywed, and, and I know that wrestling, we'd wrestle seven days a week. Twice on Saturdays and Sundays. There's no way that I could possibly start a family um, with the with the travels and arrangements I was doing at the time. So I I, I made a choice to uh, to to give it up. And uh, you know I studied law enforcement at the University of Louisville. You know I got my my degree criminal justice from Troy University in Adulton, Alabama. And I have a minor in social studies and a associate's degree in general education. So I wanted to get in law enforcement and I uh, came back and and started living in Pensacola and I I joined the Pensacola Police Department back in 86. So that's the direction I I chose.
0: Uh, Around the time that you were getting out of the business, the WWF was introducing performer there by the name of the big boss man who was a corrections officer Uh, he legitimately had been a corrections officer before getting into wrestling seeing as that was your next career path did you have any opinions on the big boss man you don't know I met him he's a
1: super nice guy and and, uh, I was already in law enforcement when I met him uh, we at one of the shows in Pensacola. I you know go backstage and uh, met all the guys that I was used to work with. And my, my at the time my son was born, and he, I went backstage with him. And and uh, he was a great guy. All of them. What a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful person.
0: Uh, he was one of the primary guys that did a law enforcement gimmick, but there were a few others you had. trooper in the late days of the AWA there was the state patrol of buddy Lee Parker and lieutenant James Earl Wright and WCW Uh, there were a few more over the years did you see anyone in wrestling that did a law enforcement gimmick that you wish you could have done
1: Um, no sir I I I didn't actually uh... I didn't think about that, you know. I just at the time I, I got in law enforcement, and and that's where I was at. And and they, they, every once in a while, they would call me to do a, a a match up in like say Birmingham or in Alabama somewhere, and I would bring out my dust off my uh, my old gimmick and put it on and, and go wrestle, you know, like uh um, uh, well you know the Freebirds. God rest his soul. Uh. uh Hang on, I'm, I'm losing. I can't think. Gordy, very Gordy. Yeah, what a great guy he was. But toward the end, I mean, I, I think I wrestled him, um, and three day- three weeks later, he passed away.
0: Uh, his daughter recently got into professional wrestling, and she seems to be doing very, very well for herself.
1: That's awesome. Uh,
0: congratulations to those to her. Well, we're down to the final few minutes of the show, and I want to make sure that you have ample time. If you have anything in closing that you want to say to the listeners and plug and promote anything and everything you would like, social media, any upcoming appearances, your favorite haberdashery, anything that you would like, the floor is all yours.
1: Okay, well, you can you can contact me. Uh, you know, I, I uh, also sell hockey masks and, and uh, these uh, Lord humongous dolls and photographs you can uh, get me on, on Facebook Jeff a camp and, and uh, PM me and I'll, I'll get in touch with you and, and uh, I, I've been selling a lot of my uh, my gimmicks on uh, on uh, through Facebook and thank you so much for allowing me b- to be part of your show
0: and uh, for, thank you for everything it was definitely our pleasure to have you on here today. We definitely enjoyed it very, very much. Hopefully, we will get the opportunity to have you back on the show in the near future. That's awesome. I appreciate it. I would love to be back. All right. Definitely. Yeah, Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving I said thank you to so you much and that. all the rest of the upcoming holidays as well. Yes, Fans, sir. If you have not done so, get on your YouTube, look up Lord Humongous and Jeff Van Camp, great, great big man wrestler. I think you will enjoy his work. Always great to talk to someone that passed through the Memphis and the Indianapolis territories on our show. Don't forget you can find me if you're looking for some pro wrestling and you want to see Sign Guy. Tonight I will be at the KI Martial Arts Center in South Hill, Washington for Northwest Pro and then tomorrow night you can find me at the Keep Peninsula Civic Center once again for Northwest Pro so come out support that if you have an independent anywhere near you get out there and support that also I believe I forgot to mention tomorrow night Defy Wrestling in Seattle Washington the Briscoe Brothers of Ring of Honor will be there so that's a huge deal make sure you go buy a ticket if they have any left or come find me in the next county over for Northwest Pro. But get out there, support your local independence. We will be back with you Sunday afternoon. We have a great guest for you Sunday named Jason Stone, who is a referee and a former promoter. And then one week from today, we have out of the great state of North Carolina, a member of the GOUGE roster, Jacob Hammermeyer. So make sure you tune in with us for those shows. Everybody continue to be safe out there, and we will talk to you soon. Awesome. Thank you
1: so much, Jason, for allowing me to be here. Thank you. Have a great night, buddy.
0: could be the way you wanted me to be But you're leaving and I miss you You
1: know You could be the mountain I could be the sea Cause I've been staring